All right, let's jump in today. Let's jump in. I'm in Luke the second, the 10th chapter. Luke the 10th chapter. I'm in a familiar passage of scripture for some of us. This is what it says. It says, now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he had to say. Somebody say, sit at the Lord's feet. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to come help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. But there is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. I pray you be with us as we continue to work through this collection. Lord, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we started a new sermon collection called The Rat Race. A collection is just a series of talks that gives us the opportunity to get more in-depth about a particular topic. And this week, we, and last week, we started the rat race, and we just talked about how our lives are characterized by fast pace. They're characterized by quick deadlines, and because many of us are moving at a mile a minute, it gives us little to no emotional margin. And so because of this, many of us are suffering with what psychologists would describe as hurried sickness. We're just moving so fast all the time that we're kind of irritable, a little bit emotional, a little bit upset from time to time. This is the definition of hurry sickness. A state of physical or emotional unwellness or distress that is the result of constant and excessive rush, busyness, and a hurried pace of life. Many of us are just moving too fast for our souls to keep up with. And so last week we asked the question, well, to, who, does, to whom does your body belong? Because if your body belongs to you, then you can run at the pace that you see fit. But the real question is, if your body belongs to God, then it's up to us to talk to him, to get him, to give us the pace that works for us. And so today I want to help us adopt an unharried lifestyle so we can get rid of a lot of the busyness in our lives and so we can slow down and be with Jesus. But before I do that, do you mind if I share an embarrassing story with you? You may not know this, but prior to me becoming a pastor, I was an environmental scientist. Now, I didn't aim to be an environmental scientist. Initially, I wanted to be a pharmacist. But I got to this class called cell biology. And once they started telling me about the ribosomes and the mitochondria, the cell wall, and I got to this thing called photo synthesis and how plants don't actually need to eat anything. The sun hits them and then apparently the sun hits them and then they produce their own food. And once I got to that class, I was like, ah, I'm not smart enough for this. This, is, this isn't going to be for me here. So I ended up doing what any self-respecting man would do. I left there and went to the science department. And I said, man, I need to pick a major that it, that makes sure that it covers a lot of the scientific stuff, the classes that I've already taken, but I need to do something. So I went to the science department and I found this major called earth science. And can I tell you what I said to myself? You won't judge me. I said, well, this sounds like a major where there's not a lot of ethnic minorities. 
And that means I have a better opportunity to get a job. So I went for it. Amen, somebody. I took, affir- I took, I took advantage of affirmative action. Amen. So I went there and I ended up getting a job fresh out of school. And let me just tell you, uh, when you're in college, things are, we- thing- I mean, you move at a pace that is crazy. But I started to move at this crazy, crazy pace once I got into the workforce. So I was constantly rushing. How many people know, you know, you get a job and you're always rushing? I was always late to work. Anybody late been late to work before? And you're like, I got, in, I got caught in traffic. No, no, I was just late. I just got up late. And so I would get to work and then I'm rushing and I'm busy. And then I would rush to get my equipment and rush to get to my job site. And I'm rushing all the time. So my job entailed as an environmental scientist was I would go to gas stations. I would pull up to a gas station. They had little monitoring wells in the ground. I would extract the water. After I extracted the water, I would send it to the lab. The lab would write a report on it. Then after they would send the report back to me, I would send the report to the DEP, and they would tell me how I was supposed to address the issue. You make sense? It was a lot, y'all. And so I was always rushing, and one day I was rushing so bad that I was in my work van, and I didn't negotiate this parking space well enough. So I pulled in. I was so flustered. And I hit a parked car in my work van. Now, you probably know that I had two choices here. I could have done the honorable thing of calling the police and getting it sorted out in insurance and all those type things. Or I could have just simply wrote them a note, left my number on the tab and gone ahead with my business. And I guess you know what I chose. I decided to call Sarah, and then I left the note on the windshield, and I went ahead without my business. I I ended up settling for $200 and cleaning up my van. It was totally good, I promise you. Like, But here's the thing. You might not have hit a parked car before on your day off, but there is some time or some episode in your life, some situation in which you were so hurt and which you were moving so fast that it became crystal clear that if you don't slow down and you don't overcome the overwhelm in your soul, that is going to lead to a long-term problem. Many of us are moving at a pace that we simply can't handle. Just think about you getting here this morning. Some of you set your alarm for 7 or 8 o'clock and you got up at 10. And you're like, oh no. And then what happened? Panic set in. Because you're like, oh, Pastor Ernest is going to judge me. I, I am. I'm judging. Full judgment right there. Just letting you know. Pastor Ernest is going to judge me. And so you got, you got in the shower, hopefully. Brush your teeth. I'm just saying. It's, an, it's a new day. You know, some, some people like their oils to, anyway. You got in the shower. Brush your teeth. And then you realize that you had kids. So you had to get your kids ready. And then, I don't know about you, but when I'm trying to get my kids ready in the morning, it's always that one shoe. That always eludes me. I'm like, where is the shoe? Go find the shoe right now. And so then you panic coming through the door. You got to hear for the second song. And now many of us are just getting our pace together right now. We're finally taking a breath to be here. But let me just say, friends, this is not just something we do on Sunday, is it? Because many of us are running at a pace from Monday to Saturday that we just cannot keep up with, right? This is what we do. We push ourselves to the brink of exhaustion, Monday through Saturday. 
or we work Monday to Friday, and then when Saturday gets there, we're trying to catch up on all the chores for the week, so we end up exhausting ourselves, and then we come in on Sunday morning tired because we have had no time because we have little to no emotional margin. Can I just ask a question? Isn't there a better way to be a human? Isn't there a better way than working 40 plus hours a week, wearing ourselves out, then either going on a vacation or a staycation because them flights are high. Or going to the shore, you know, sometimes you got you to gotta cut costs. And then going back to work and doing it all again. Isn't there a better way to be human, friends? Because here's the thing. Some of us are grinding so much in life that we're actually not living life. There was a criticism that rapper Sean Carter, a.k.a. Jay-Z, made of people that were giving ratings to his albums. He said, how can you give me a rating when you're skimming through the music and you're not actually listening to all of the little musical nuances that pervade my songs? And the truth is, is that some of us are editors of our lives. Is that we're just skimming through it. We're just in the rat race of Monday through Friday, kind of going through the motion, already thinking about the next trip, already thinking about the next vacation. Friends, isn't it time for us to get off the rat race? This is what Dallas Willard, Dallas Willard said. He says, hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. He says, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your day. Carl Jung says this. He says, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. It is the devil. We all want to live healthy lives, don't we? Don't we all want to live whole lives? The question is, is how do we get there? And I would say that the answer to living the whole life that you want is not speeding up the pace of your life or adding things to your calendar. It's actually slowing down. Or if you're a follower of Jesus, it's to slow down and actually be with Jesus. So he can nurture your parched soul. It's slowing down so that the blur of life can come into focus and you can see that the pace in which you are keeping right now is wearing you out and wearing you thin. It's time for us to get off the rat race. Let me give us a little bit of an exposition, then I'll help us here. Jesus and his entourage. It might have been 12 people. It might have been 12 to 72 people pulled into, I believe it was the town of Bethany. And they pulled up and they knocked on Martha's door. Martha has a sister named Mary and she has another brother named Lazarus. And so they were showing what's called hospitality. Hospitality is when you open the doors of your home to make people comfortable and to bring them in and to show them love. It's an extension of the love of Jesus welcoming us into his home. And so she's showing hospitality, but how about how many of you know now, when you have unexpected guests come to your house, you're like thankful that they thought about you. But the first thing you think about is, oh, my God, is my house clean? Right. Am I telling the truth? You're like, is my house clean enough right now? Are they going to think I'm nasty and neglectful? Like it's been a rough week. I don't know why that shoe was on the counter. It just is right now. I've just, I've just, it's just been hard. And so. It, what, what unexpected guests can do at times is trigger your hurried sickness. 
Because you're assessing your home to, because you want to leave a positive impact. And so Martha just has this sense of urgency. She's happy to see Jesus, but she's like, oh my gosh, my house is dirty. She's like, oh my gosh, let me throw these ox, oxtails on. They're not going to be tender for a while, so I got to throw them in the crock pot. Oh, I got the ninja bullet. I can cook them on a pressure cooker and cook them quickly. Okay, let me fry these plantains and make sure these rice and peas are good. Let, let me get all this taken care of. Let me make sure that everybody's got water. And it can't be out of the water bottle because you're showing them hospitality. I got to make sure that they're drinking out of glasses and all this type of stuff. She is wearing herself out. Then she looks in the living room. And her sister, Mary, is sitting at the feet of Jesus. I'm sweating and working my fingers down to the bone. Cleaning this house. Washing the baseboards down. I don't even wash the baseboards down. Cleaning the blinds. Spraying for breeze everywhere. You know how y'all do. Y'all just go to the four corners and spray it in one corner. Just... Lighting the candle. Making sure the house is ready. And she is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now, here's what you got to know about Mary. Is the three times that Mary is mentioned in the Bible, guess what she's doing? Okay, nobody, okay, nobody read that part of the Bible. Okay, cool. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. In John 11, she's sitting at Jesus' feet. In John 12, she's sitting at Jesus' feet. Here in Luke 10, she is sitting at Jesus' feet. Well, Pastor, what does it mean to sit at Jesus' feet? It means to learn instruction from a rabbi to a teacher. I mean, she was patterning, patter, patterning, patterning. She was living her life, patterning, patterning. She was doing that after being a disciple of Jesus. In the ancient Near Eastern world, the rabbi or the teacher would walk around and, and the disciples would just follow after him, soaking up his teachings because they wanted to be with the rabbi, be like the rabbi and do what the rabbi did. And so what she's saying is, no, you are my rabbi, so I want to be with Jesus. I want to be like him, and I want to do what he did. And while I've got him, I'm going to maximize this opportunity. And Jesus is like, I'm not held by conventional standard, conventional practices of the culture, because in that time, it was a very patriarchal society. So women weren't welcome at the table to come learn and learn from rabbis. But Jesus is like, I'm not held by convention. I want to welcome you. Come sit at the table with me. Now, some people would say, well, pastor, this is comparing and contrasting two different personalities. You have Martha, who is the type A personality. She just gets stuff done. She makes sure that things are done. And then, and then Mary is a type B personality. She's a people-loving person. Let me just tell you, for the Marthas in the building and the Marys in the building, Jesus created both of you equally. You can't be a Mary all the time sitting around doing your quiet time all the time. Oh, Jesus, you are so good. Oh, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this turn. No, 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 you can't do that all day. And you can't, you got to go to work at some point because you got something called bills, right? But you always, you can't also be Martha because Martha will work for God but not nurture her relationship with God. So what you have to be is a combination of these two people who, are, who have some time to spend with God and sit at his feet, but also know that I've got to figure out a way to integrate my spirituality into my practical life so I can live in a way that's honoring to God. Are y'all hearing me today, church? So for the Marthas in the building, I love y'all because y'all get stuff done. Amen. I love you, Marthas. Marys, I love y'all too. 
But here's the thing. You've got to be a little bit of both. So Martha sees her sister sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she goes over to Jesus. She says, she didn't even talk to, she didn't even talk to Mary about it. That's how you know you're mad. She goes over to Jesus. She said, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has helped me do the work and I'm doing it by myself? Tell her to come over here and help me. You have to be a bold person to boss Jesus around. She was talking reckless to Jesus, but in that statement, I think we have five dynamics that I think are going to help us live a life that's unhurried. Are you ready for the first one? Write these down. Write these down. Here's the first one. Slowing down to be with Jesus is not wasted time. Let me say that again. Slowing down to be with Jesus is not wasted time. See, some of us are trained to believe that when we take some time to pray, it's a waste of our time. Or if we take some time to read the Bible because we don't understand every little thing in the Bible, that it's a waste of our time. Or if we spend some time in solitude away from, away from people, it's a waste of time. Let, let me just tell you, we have been conditioned to believe in this society that any non-movement is a waste of our time. And so when you just take a little, when you take a moment just to sit down and catch a breather, you consider that wasted time. That's why some of you don't take your 15-minute break at work. Because you're like, no, no, I got to go. I got to grind. I got to get the, the, the rest of this efficiency out of my day. We're wearing ourselves out because it's like, we're like, oh, my gosh, it's virtually impossible for me to sit down because there's always all this stuff to do. Here's the thing. There's always going to be stuff to do. There's always going to be something to do. But you might be like, well, Pastor, I'm busy. I've got kids. That should be enough right there to just let you know how busy I am. I'm in multiple sports. I, I, or, or I'm a single parent trying to make it. I'm trying to do this co-parenting thing, and it's difficult because I don't get down with the baby dad, but his girlfriend is acting weird when I come around, and I don't like this. And I'm trying to keep my Jesus tucked in my heart, but I just be wanting to let the devil out on them sometimes. Y'all ain't, ain't being real with me in here. How am I going to do that when I'm already stretched? I'm already tired. I'm already exhausted. Here's the thing. Brother Lawrence was a 17th century cook at a Paris monastery. And he calls on us from antiquity to do something called practicing the presence of God. That means connecting your everyday life with the daily practices of talking to and connecting to God. So just imagine this. He is in the kitchen. He's chopping up vegetables. He's clinging the pots together. He's making sure the oxtails are seasoned. And then he stops right in that moment and he takes a moment and say, Lord, thank you for meeting me where I am right now. Thank you for my body, oh Lord, that can stand up at the sink. Thank you for the, the strength in my wrist to take the seasonings out and season the meat. Thank you, oh God, for the air in my lungs. And thank you for, he's taking moments in his life to connect with God. He's practicing the presence of God. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. You've got to steal back the moments that busyness has robbed you of. Take them back. Listen, you've got to turn your car into a worship service. Listen, I love Afrobeats. I love Burnable, Wizkid, and all them people. Baby, come down, come down. I love it. I love it. I'm glad y'all can't just fire me for that. 
It's intrusive thoughts. Like, I didn't even do that the first service, and I told the show. What was I talking about? Oh, yeah, 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 car worship, car worship. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so what you have to do is you got to turn your car into a sanctuary at times where you're just like, yo, I'm going to turn off the rap, I'm going to turn off the merengue, I'm going to turn off all that stuff, and I am going to spend time intentionally connecting with God and listening to some music about him. Does that make sense, friends? Like, you got to turn those moments into a holy moment. When you're in the shower, and you're there in the shower, and you're thinking about your whole day, you're thinking about all the stuff that you have to do, you're thinking about that email that you got to send to that coworker, and you're trying to figure out how you can say it in a professional way but not cuss them out. As per my last email, as it has been previously mentioned, in a multiplicity of emails that have spanned back from October 2017, three years before the pandemic, I'm encouraging you to. We're trying to do that. You're thinking about all the things that you had planned in the week, are you not? All the people you've got to meet and all the things you've got to talk about, all these things. So sometimes when you're in that moment, instead of thinking about your worries and your concerns and your issues, you have to make it a sanctuary and pour your attention to God. God, here's what I had this week. You know I don't have the strength to deal with all this, but God, you are sufficient. We've been singing this more than able track in, the, in church week after week, and I believe you're more than able to help me in this moment. What I'm saying is steal back the moments that busyness has robbed you of. Because here's the thing. God is much closer to you than you can ever imagine. The, Lord, the Lord's Prayer says, Our Father in heaven. That word heaven is oranos. You know what oranos means? It doesn't mean heaven. It means the air. And so it means that God is as close to you and I as the air is on our skin. That's what it means. And so what we have to do is we've got to be able to integrate our prayer lives into our regular day-to-day -day activities. And when you do, you don't wait for a perfect moment. You don't wait to have a choir. You don't wait for a worship team. You can go in there and worship God on your own and connect with him in daily life. Can I tell you a story that'll make you laugh, then make you sad, then make you laugh again? Can I do that real quick? I just got off a flight from North Carolina. I went to see my, my grandma. She turned 90 years old, y'all. Look at this picture of her. 90 years old. Yeah. Is that a, yeah, look at her. Now I know what some of you are thinking. I know what's in your heart. Pastor, ooh, what's going on here? Pastor, you adopted? No. No, I'm not. That's my maternal grandmother. Amen. Priscilla Harrelson. So I got the chance to spend some time with her. Man, and I hadn't seen my family in like five years. So you know they tell the same jokes about me, you know, doing all the stuff in my childhood and all this type of stuff. So everybody's smiling and happy. But my, my grandma has four daughters, and my mom is the only one that has passed away. And so I was kind of joking and laughing my way through it when I was at the actual birthday party. But then I got to the airport. I got to the airport, and I sat down and just started to weep. Anybody ever been there? You're like, yo, what am I, why am I even feeling this? Why am I feeling this way? I'm like, I'm telling, I'm 
I'm mourning and coaching myself simultaneously. I'm mourning and I'm saying, Lord, I'm saying, hey, go ahead and let it out, son. Who cares if it's in the airport? Who cares if these people all see? And then I'm on the other end, I'm like, yo, bro, tighten up, bro. What are you doing? And so my heart in that moment, I was just, guys, I was just so sad. Because there's a brokenness and a pain that happens when you lose someone close to you, whether it be a family member or friend, that you just don't overcome or get, uh, get, make it through. You just have to just adjust with it in life. And it was in that moment that because I had integrated my prayer life with my regular life, I could lift my hands out and say, Rabbi, here I am. Here I am in my pain. Here I am hurting. Lord, minister to me. I pray right now through your son, Jesus Christ. And you know what happened? I got this mental image of the father leaning over and like giving me a hug and letting me know if it was going to be okay. Now, first, I can't speak to it and say that I had a prophetic vision. I don't, I don't know what it was, but here's what I know. Jesus loved me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And I was able And so I know some of us are going through pain right now and you're going through a hardship and and difficulty. I'm encouraging you to ask the Father into your pain. Do not wait for the perfect moment or the perfect opportunity. Ask him right then and there, Lord, I need you. I need your spirit to encourage me. So that's what, so here's the second. The greatest threat, did I go over the first one? Yes, okay, thank God. Greatest threat to our relationship with God is distraction. Greatest threat. You know, I read a harrowing statistic the other day that says that nine out of 1,000 car crashes that happen, happen because drivers are distracted. They're texting and driving. They're looking at their streaming services or whatever happened. And so let me just tell you the point of that is stop texting and driving, y'all. It's irresponsible. Stop playing. And I'm talking to myself too. Because I was, never mind. Anyway, anyway. But here's the problem. Is this not just limited to our driving patterns is also within our lives as well. And the reason that some of our spiritual lives are dead the way they are is because we're too distracted. You're doing, you know you're doing too much, right? You know, you know you can't work six to five hours a week, right? You know if you drop dead, that job is going to mourn, have a cake for you, and then they're going to move on to somebody else, right? And then, and then pay them less money than they're paying you. You, 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 do, you do know that, right? Right. Like what I'm saying is, friends, some of us are engaged in activities and doing things that are wearing us out. And we don't realize that you can really, really love Jesus and not spend time with him because you're distracted by other things. Mary was pulled away by other stuff. And some of us, I'm going to be honest, you're just pulled away. You're pulled away by a lot of different things. Here's the third one. Develop the skill of efficiently decluttering your schedule. I don't know about you, but uh. I don't like a junkie home. Anybody, anybody agree with that? I don't, I don't like walking around stuff. I like my stuff to be open. Amen. And so we moved into our new home. My wife went to Home Depot and she bought those big contractor bags. Anybody ever seen those big con? Tall as me. Super thick. And we threw out so much unused junk. We threw out stuff we needed too because we were just in the rhythm. I was like, man, we can't throw out the bed, can we? Can't throw out the bed frame. We just threw stuff out and then had to go back and rebuy a lot of the stuff because we were moving too quickly. But here's the thing. I was not going to bring all of that clutter into our new home. 
And just like we don't want our homes to be cluttered, many of us have to go and declutter our schedules. You got too much stuff on your schedule. You know, let me just tell you, your biggest problem is not the money you make and all that type of stuff. One of your biggest issues is that you are not living intentionally. You are just living and floating whatever, whatever happens on the calendar you're going to do. Whatever person has an event that you know you can't make it to, you decide to put it on your calendar anyway and just go to it. What I'm saying, friends, is we need to block out things that are important to us and then work everything else around them. Not treat everything like it's important. Everything in your life is not of importance. Does that make sense? Here's the fourth thing. Relentless activity brings out our underlying fears. That's not what it says. Relentless activity brings our underlying fears to light. You know, as, as I was reading this passage, I realized that one of the reasons why Martha was working so hard is because it was a shield for the fears in her heart. You know, deep down, I really believe that she struggled with a fear of feeling insignificant. Right? She felt, she felt probably a little bit insignificant. The culture said she was insignificant. The culture said in this patriarchal society that she wasn't equal to a man. And therefore, her only role and responsibility is to be barefoot and pregnant and making sure that the house was in order. Then she, so she, she did, society told her that she was unimportant. And so she just felt this deep sense, if I could guess, if I can gather from the text, that she got this deep sense that not only is she not important, that she's lacking influence. And that she didn't lack, that she had meaning in life that she wants. And some of us are the same way. We just don't feel like we're making enough of a difference right now in our lives. But let me just tell you, you better embrace the hiddenness of God in this season. You better embrace it. And you better make those mistakes in private because when that light is shining on you, you can't make those same, same mistakes in public. You better embrace it. You better embrace that because God will do stuff on the backside of the desert that he doesn't do in front of people. Like, like some of y'all want the platform and you want the fame and you want the money and you want the notoriety and you want to have all of that type of stuff. But let me just tell you, that where God develops people is in hiddenness so that when they come out, they're prepared for the challenges and the issues that they have for them. Are y'all hearing me? Some of like, like you don't want to get out there and be premature and then you get exposed because you're underprepared for what God has for you. You better embrace that, allow God to incubate you so that you can grow into the person that he has you to be. The only thing worse than getting a platform when you're not ready is getting a platform and having it ripped from you. And you want a five-story platform, but you got a two-story spiritual life. So he's telling us, like, we got to declutter. We, it brings these fears to light. We just fit. You know why one of the reasons we fill our schedule activities? is because if we slow down, we will be confronted with us. And we, in many ways, don't want to be confronted with the person that we really are. So we would rather work endlessly and tirelessly as a cover instead of sitting down and being in the presence of God and him saying, mm, you got an anger issue that needs to be addressed. You got an issue that I need to deal with. We would just say, no, no, I don't want to confront that in myself. So we overcommit. We refuse to delegate. We're constantly available. And that is what's killing your spiritual life with God. Here's the fifth one. I'm going to finish up on this one. Spending time with Jesus takes precedent over our task for Jesus. Man, um, this parenting thing is different, isn't it? It's a journey, but it's real beautiful. Like, I love my kids. We're having a good time. 
right? They're seven and six right now, so their personality is starting to flourish. And so, you know, as they get older, they just have a few more conflicts, right? Any, any sibling conflicts? Any kids do that? Okay. No? All right. And so they have these conflicts. So how we handle it in the Grant household is through something called court grant. So they'll come, the kids will come in my room, and they're like, Daddy, Mayla did this, or Mayla be like, Daddy, Chan did this. I'm like, oh, it's time for court grant. And so I'll allow them to be the prosecutory witness. I'll be like, all right, this is case 3000, you know, where I'm the jury and the judge, right? And so that's how I typically handle discretions. You're welcome for that free parenting advice right there. And whoever has the best argument, they win. I'm just playing, just playing. But one day, I was in my, it was in my office, my home office, and my kids burst into my room, burst into the office. I'm like, what y'all, what, what's going on, guys? And they're like, Daddy, we need to have court grant. I was like, all right, cool, because I need a little distraction from this work anyway. Let's have court grant. They're like, no, 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 no. But we want to put you on trial, Daddy. I'm like, excuse me? And so... We start the court case because I want to see what they had, right? I want, I want to see. So we start the case. And they said, Dad, why are you always working? You always writing a sermon. You always, you always counseling somebody. You always on the phone with Pastor Jacob talking about some vision and some plan long term. And then sometimes you put your earphones in and you go into the garage and you take on a little scooter and you ride around in circles while you talk to people. Why do you do that? They're like, you're always working. And so, you know, I did what any self-respected parent would do. I got defensive. I was like, you like to eat a Chick-fil-A, don't you? I might as well own half of the Chick-fil-A and Cherry Hill off 70 for as many sandwiches as y'all eat. I should just start my own farm. Start my own farm. I was like, you like going to that school, don't you? Learning about Jesus and all that. I was like, you know what? Court is adjourned. Get out of my office. And as they walked out, they kind of high-fived each other. They're like, ha, we got him. We definitely did. We got him. We got him. And so as they exited, I felt like God was saying to me, son, you're doing a good job of providing for your kids. But you missed something critical. In all the providing for them, they're asking you to spend time with them. And I think the same thing is apropos of our spiritual lives. Because some of you, Oh man, you have you are filled with so much ambition. You want to do so much for God. You're like, man, I can't wait to start this nonprofit. I can't wait to go on this tour, and I can't wait to to start building my platform and my creative content. Man, I'm so excited to do it. Just ain't possible because even though you can do a lot of different things for God, you can also miss out on the indispensable thing. We're just spending time with God. And he's like, if you do all this for me, but you don't spend any time with me, then what's the point? What's the point? So for instance, here's what I want to say to you today. Maybe you're in a phase where you're deconstructing, or maybe you just don't feel like, or maybe you're investigating your faith. You're trying to figure out what this relationship with Jesus is all about. But I think the thrust of this message grips you, doesn't it? Because no one wants to live with hurried sickness. No one wants to live a life of burnout. But here's how you can, the first step you can take in the process. You can do what Jesus says in Matthew 11. Come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you something called rest. 
learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. Because my burden is easy and my yoke is light. He's saying, not only will I give you physical rest, but I'll make sure you have spiritual rest as well. Because you'll know that you're eternally assembled. Maybe you you don't have to offer no goats and goats and sacrifices and calves and all that type of stuff. You don't have to have a barn and sacrifice animal. You have me. I'm your greatest sacrifice. Rest in me. Fear not, for I'm with you. I love you. Say, come to me. And here's the thing. Maybe you're walking with Jesus today and you're asking, you're asking what do I do? I, I, I'm hurried. I'm, I'm worried. I'm exhausted. I'm always moving. You don't need to add another thing to your schedule. You need to subtract some things from your schedule. What are some things that you're doing engaged in right now that are not pushing the ball forward spiritually, physically, emotionally, or financially? What are some things that you're doing? You're actively engaged in that you know that you know you need to stop doing. But you continue to do it because it's just I would say start there. Take an inventory of your life. Lay it before God, ask him, hey, what, what, what is in my life that I'm doing right now that I need to let go? Now, here's the thing. Some of us are like, well, you know what? Maybe I'll let go serve at the church. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll stop doing that. We just encourage you, don't do that. That was supposed to be a serious moment, guys. I'll head to serious this yeah, Don't do that. Don't do that. Because... God has given you something called spiritual gift. He tells us in verse 12. He's given us some things. And so we all serve out of our margin. They don't know that, but there are some things that are not pushing the ball for you. I just want to encourage you. We're going to get to it. Figure out what you need to do. Let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, you are good and you are sufficient. And you give us rest, Jesus. You give us rest in the weariness of life. Give us rest from the hardship. When we put our faith and our trust in you, Lord, you give us the ultimate rest, which is in your sight. And so, Jesus, we come to you right now just asking you to help us live an unhurried life. Help us to slow down so we can be with you, so that we can become like you and ultimately do what you did. Lord, I pray that you convict us this morning and bring to mind the things that we're engaged in that just aren't making you happy. And it's just like filler in our schedule. Lord, I pray that you help us. So, Lord, we honor you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, why don't you say amen? Amen. Go ahead. You can put your hands together for Jesus. Lord.